When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Jay. Thanks for tuning in to the Hook Rocks podcast once again. It's been a while since I've done one of these solo intros, but uh, it's good to do them every now and then. We've got the interview coming up here with Joel Hoekstra. He returns to the show to talk about his project, Joel Hoekstra's 13, and the album Running Games. It's a really solid album. It's going to be out here, I think, in the second week of February. Uh, but uh, it's definitely, you'll enjoy it. I think you'll have, uh, you'll have a great, one of the great first records of 2021 in your hands or in your ears as you listen to it. So I'm excited about the interview. It's a short interview. He was on a time crunch. He was doing press for the album, so he's got some schedules that he needs to keep. But we did our first interview back in the fall, and he was a great guest and talked about a lot of things there. So if you want to revisit that, that's on all podcast platforms. So go check that out, as long as with this new interview where he talks about the album. We also talked about a few interesting things, too, as well, about touring and about creativity. So you'll be able to check all that out. I think you'll be interested to hear what he has to say about you know the future of live music in the short term. But uh, it is definitely an interesting topic because as we see cases and positivity rates go down in the country, uh, the first thing that we all think about is, you know, returning to our normal routine, which is going about life without any worry. And I don't know if that's going to be a reality this year. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, maybe towards the end of the year, but we still don't know um, how things are going to progress. We've got a new president in the White House. We've got a new plan to attack COVID. Hopefully these things work out. Hopefully they are successful. We want anyone who who's ever in the White House to be successful in tackling a pandemic. There isn't, you know, no room for failure because failure means lives lost. But as far as a music fan goes, we want to go back to live concerts. We want to go back to live shows. And how that will come about is still unknown. And what will happen as a result of that is still unknown. Number one, we don't know if some of these bands are in the final, that were in the final leg of their farewell tours, or if they were an older band touring, you know, festivals or doing whatever they do. We don't know if we've in fact seen the last of them. That's still a question that will be answered when everything does get back to normal, you know, the first band I think about is Kiss. Um, obviously, you know, Kiss is not a, you know, a young band. You know, they're, they're in their late 60s, early 70s. And the longer this keeps going on and the longer shows are canceled, it might be a possibility that we've seen the last live show from them in front of people like we normally see them. I mean, obviously, they had the Dubai New Year's Eve show, which was in front of a crowd that was at a distance. 
But we don't know if that will continue. So that's going to be, you know, a question that we'll have to see what happens. Um, you know, there's other bands too as well. I know, you know, Iron Maiden usually does their tour, does their thing. Um, you know, I know they've had an album or I've heard they've had an album recorded for a while now and it's just a matter of it being released. I know Adrian Smith just released the first single with the collaboration with him and Richie Kotzen, but obviously there's not going to be any tours as a result of that album. That's just a project that they you know put together. But you do have to start asking the question, you know, with these older bands, the longer this goes on, you know, will we have seen or have we seen the last of them? Are they going to be able to tour? We don't know. It's a big question. And, you know, I mentioned this on my Twitter feed a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago that a friend of mine on Facebook posted that she was interested in a show, a Taylor Swift concert, in 2024. Now, it wasn't a joke. The, you know, the listed date of the show was to, like March 2024. And obviously there were a few things that struck me as odd as a you know, with that post. Number one, 2024, that's three years from now. Are we at that point where big shows, big concerts, big tours are really going to be pulling back and waiting and not keep rescheduling shows like they did last year? You know, we all see these bands, you know, we'll see it in the fall. Fall turns to spring. Spring turns to summer. Spring to summer turns to fall. Fall turns to winter. And they keep pushing back the dates. Now, now I understand why bands do that. It was mentioned in the show I did with Todd Kearns, Todd Dan McKearns, about the logjam that bands are going to have and experience when everybody starts releasing new material. Once they release new material, of course, they're going to want to tour on that. So bands, you know, keep pushing things back because they want to secure dates with whatever venue they're going to be playing at, you know. So, you know, if they're, they don't want to lose out and they want to have their tour scheduled and intact in the event things do open up. Now, is that right or wrong? You know, depending on who you are, um... I don't believe it's it's wrong. I understand what they're doing. It's frustrating for fans because, you know, we don't know if that show is actually going to happen or not. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like dangling a carrot in front of the fans, but I don't think that there's any ill intention as a result of it. I just think it's kind of the way of the world right now and kind of playing ahead and keeping fingers crossed that shows do come back. Now, will they? I don't, you know, I don't know when. You know, no one really knows the answer. But getting back to my, getting back to my point with the Taylor Swift concert. So they pushed the date back to 2024. You know, number one, why would they go ahead and post that? Um, I don't understand that. I mean, maybe it was a mistake, whoever did originally post it, but it looked legitimate and it looked like it was coming from Taylor Swift's or maybe the the promoter, whether it was Live Nation or, or whatnot. So I don't know what's going on with that, but it kind of freaked me out a little bit because, like I said, you know, that's three years from now. And obviously, you know, these big venues that have these big shows and these big concerts, the ventilation sh- systems at those 
venues are, are state of the art. They're top notch. I mean, you know, they are, you know, the the top of the line ventilation systems. And that's one of the things if you read about COVID, one of the reasons why small businesses get closed down is usually they're in smaller buildings that don't have or not equipped with the right ventilation system. Whereas these big box stores, obviously because they have deep pockets, can afford to put something like that into their store into their locations and it's it moves the air around in a much cleaner and more efficient way when you go into a small mom-pa store they don't have that luxury of doing that so the people in there are at a higher risk of getting COVID because of that so it's a it's a question to see how this all happens and transpires but nonetheless we're all missing you know the live shows and the live concerts been a long time since I've been a show as I've mentioned before the last concert I was at the last rock show I was at was Big Wreck in November of 2019 in downtown Chicago and the last performance I saw was March of 2020 I saw Dave Chappelle which was um, really interesting that was a really good show so I haven't been to anything and man it's been it feels like ages. It has been ages. So, and I know a lot of you are in the same boat, um, but we have the numbers, you know, and they are getting better. The positivity rates are getting better. Hopefully the healthcare system follows suit and, you know, there's less of a strain on the hospitals and the frontline workers. Um, but we don't know, you know, and, and that's the other thing too. You know, a lot of people think that it doesn't affect them and, you know, they're not sick or they don't know anybody that's sick. But the reality is, is that the more people get sick in the hospitals that fill up, you know, if you get in a car accident or if you get in, you know, a heart attack, they may not take you and they may not be able to provide a bed for you in the emergency room. You know, there's places in California right now that, you know, if if, if they feel that you're not going to make it as a result of whatever condition or accident that you've had, they may not take you to a hospital as, of, as a result because they don't have room for you in certain areas of the country. So that is a, a, a reality, and that's a, that's a shame that that's happening. But, you know, it may not be from COVID that the actual virus that's killing people, but because of COVID and the impact, it's having a, a, an, an effect. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, too, you know, when we go to shows, when someone starts coughing on someone, you know, what are people's reactions going to be? So... I still think we're ways away from getting back to any normalcy um, in terms of going to shows, large events like sporting events and, you know, all those type of things that we all love and enjoy. I I don't know if that's going to be happening this year. Um, If anything, maybe late fall, winter is when we'll start seeing, uh, you know, those things open up and and, um, return, return to our lives. But it may be different than we remember, at least for the the initial initial period when we uh, when we all go back. So, but nonetheless, that's the end of my talk here. Hope you enjoy the Joel Hoekstra interview. His thoughts on his new album. His thoughts on what's been going on with music. What he's been doing over the last year. I think you'll enjoy it. Joel Hoekstra fans will definitely enjoy it. And once again, thanks for listening.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hook Rocks. This is Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy, like I say at the beginning of every episode. Hope things are working out for you in this new year. Hopefully, hopefully we're about to turn the page here soon. Numbers seem to be getting better out there with COVID. I know my son's back in school. Things are starting to open up a little bit. So let's see what happens. Hopefully, come springtime, come summertime, we're able to go to see uh, some outdoor shows and some festivals. Hopefully, that does happen. Fingers are crossed. Nevertheless, we've got another great guest, a return guest to the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast, and that is Mr. Joel Hoekstra. What's going on, man? How are you? How's it going, Jay? Thanks for taking the time out, dude. I do appreciate you coming back. I'm excited about the new album. The new album is from your 13, Joel Hoekstra's 13 band, and the album, which I've had a chance to listen to, is just really, really good. It's called Running Games. Oh, well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, um, it, it it blew me away when I was able to listen to it. It's very reminiscent of what you're doing now with Whitesnake with some 70s feel to it. Um, you've assembled some great cast of musicians on the album. What was the process and what what, uh, what motivated you to put this together? Has this been something that you've been working on for a while? Um, well, I, I released the debut from that project name, Joel Hooks was 13, in 2015 with the album uh, Dying to Live. And so it was basically, it took a couple of years to think, like, am I going to do another one? Is there going to be a business deal in place? And once there was, or at least looks like there could be, I moved forward with it. And that took a little bit of time, uh, just with everybody's schedules, myself included. Um, and then thankfully, COVID kind of silver lining is it put us on the fast track at the end, just because everybody's schedules kind of cleared up. And it was like, okay, we can get this done. So I'm very excited to have it see the light of day. And it's always something I, I want to do. I mean, I, I I like to be able to release these albums because I get to do all the writing on them. So I do the lyrics and the vocal melodies and everything. Hence the project name and not just like a band name. Uh, because it's, this lives somewhere in between a solo album and a band, I would say. So project name is really the best way to go about it. It sounds like a band when you listen to it. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing all the writing. So therein lies the difference. When you were putting together, you know, the musicians to play on this album, is is this the sound that you were looking for and the players that you were looking for? So it's the same lineup as Dying to Live in 2015. So I thought having the consistency from uh, record to record under this name was a very good thing and important. Plus, I just like I like the job everybody did on that on Dying to Live. Um, so I like all these people as uh, as players and as, as people. So. Uh, grateful to have them, and yeah, I, mean, I definitely write for the personnel. There's no doubt about it. Having Vinny Abbasi and Russell Allen, it's kind of a no-brainer that there's going to be a little bit of a do vibe going on. Yeah, you definitely it definitely reflects in the music too as well. And, and putting together the music, you know, being that you're in White Snake and Trans Siberian Orchestra, and you've done Broadway, you've played with Cher. When you're putting together the music for this album, is this really, you know, a representation of who you are as a player? Because, you know, people hear you in different things. Um, I mean, it's very hard to sum that up in uh, who I am as a player in one album. So I would say it's definitely an area of my playing, and it's it's something that I'm going for on this Um so, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to 
release a rap album. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going for melodic rock, um, you know, to live in the, the world that I'm, um, most known in these days. But as far as defining how I play guitar, it's, it's an area of how I play guitar. You know, when we last spoke, we were talking about the COVID, you know, and, and affecting basically what you're doing. You were you were doing a lot of teaching, which I assume you still are. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, the typical day's events of going from, you know, the kitchen to the living room. Have 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 things changed with you in terms of kind of settling in and kind of, you know, becoming a little bit more involved in things and kind of just accepting the way things are at, at this point? Um, uh, gosh, I don't know about accepting. I just kind of, I just go for it every day. So, uh, it just comes down to a daily thing for me, trying to stay productive and be moving forward and and that other stuff. I just try not to worry about too much. So whether or not I'm accepting it, I don't know. I hate to say that because I mean, it'd be great to be playing concerts again someday. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not obsessing over it and just kind of, um, moving forward and making sure that I'm productive during this period. You mentioned this project, you know, was going on, you know, since your, the debut of, of, you know, dying to live. And as you progressed through the years and, and were developing this project, did you find that you were becoming more involved during COVID? Did it, did it give you a chance? I know when I talked to Red Beach about his solo album, you know, he was like, oh, I finally was able to get this done because of COVID. Was it kind of the same thing with you on this? Yeah, I mean, it, it helped at the very end, definitely, to, to fast track it a bit. Um, in terms of getting, it gave me the opportunity to cut my parts, uh, and that was a big thing. I mean, that was tricky. And in 2019, I was on the road for 285 days of the year. So um, having that time at the top of 2020 where I was like, all right, I'm just home. I mean, that was really the first thing that I got to outside of, at first I just took a little break, like, okay, not on the road. And back when we all thought maybe this was going to last for like a matter of weeks or something. Uh, And then then as it became clear, it was like, all right, time to cut the tracks for the album. And, you know, that was, that was step one on on the to-do list for sure. You know, did you find putting this, album together you know was a bit of an escape of what reality is right now was able to you know to kind of find yourself a little bit away from all the unknown and do something that is known to you which is put together the material in this album well it's a way right now for me to feel relevant as an artist um which is cool i mean i, I love the fact that i'm doing the, the teaching as far as doing something productive and, and being able to keep money coming in um and that sort of replaces touring really for me at this point in time. That and doing cameos and things like that to be able to make sure I can pay the bills and not all of a sudden let my bank account evaporate uh, over this time period. Um, that, that's going great. But being able to release the album and do these quarantine videos and um, just basically do sessions for people even on a level help me feel like very creative and help me feel relevant as an artist and player what was the process of putting together and arranging the music and writing the lyrics for you i mean this was kind of your show to do that and you were kind of leading everything you know as far as you know obviously there's the difference of this is your project versus some of the other things you were involved in but 
Tell us about what the process was for you. Uh, so usually, I mean, really on both of these albums, what I've done is I've assembled uh, the riffs, and usually there's a chorus uh, when I write. So I'll write a chorus and then just kind of build out from there. Uh, but I'll have the entire riffs, and then the rest of it I'll kind of sing melody, but I won't quite have the lyrics. And that's typically what uh, I send to Vinnie Apathy and Tony Franklin is just the guitar riffs with the guitar playing with the melody will be over the top. So that you kind of hear what the singer is going to be singing. And then once the drums and bass are down, uh, I like I said, I pretty much at that time already have the chorus lyrics written, but I'll, then I'll write the lyrics for the rest of the song. And this is not like 100% of the time. So there's certain songs where it's like, oh, I know I want to sing that there, have this song there, but uh, in general, that's the way it works. And so that second writing session is pretty much writing the lyrics uh, for the rest of it. And sometimes at that point, there's some tweaks. Like, oh, let me change the melody there. Let me change that melody. Um, so I lay down at that point guide vocals for Russell Allen. So I sing the entire album, and he just listens to it back and sings it a whole lot better than I did. It's interesting. You know, I mean, you're, you're, how does it differ from some of the other projects? I mean, I know you do a lot of the arrangement for Whitesnake, and obviously there's a lot more you know, um, collaboration with that too. Was there any type of, you know, feedback from the guys you're working with saying, Hey, this may sound better here. Or was, was that, you know, part of the process? No, I, typically, I mean, my production style with them on both of these records pretty much been just totally hands off. So I send stuff to them and they record and that's what you hear on the album. Now, that's that way they can pretty much play whatever the heck they're feeling on it and feel like they're getting some creative input. Now there might've been and this time around, there might've been a couple of times I suggested to people like, Hey, would you mind trying this year? But it was, it's very rare, just a couple of times. And then I kind of cut myself off from that. So I think it's best to just let people do what they do best and stay out of their way. You know, as we move forward here and you've got this new project coming out in February in a couple of weeks, um, you know, what, in terms of, what are you expecting for 2021? I mean, have you heard any rumblings about what's going on? Are things still unknown in terms of getting on the road again? I mean, you just mentioned to what, 285 days you did in 2019. You know, what are you expecting? What are you hoping for? I mean, obviously we want to get back to normal, but realistically, what do you feel? Uh, I have, I mean, there's no word on anything, and everybody's living in a world of uncertainty, including the people that have booked gigs, which my my bands, I don't believe, have. Uh, everybody's just living in a world of uncertainty with it. So we're just, that's the kind of thing you're going to see on the news these days, <laughs> more, more than just hearing from me in an interview. I yeah. mean, it's going to take the world opening up, and that's, you know, sadly, it's out of the hands of, uh, bands and any decision they're going to make at this point in time. You know, with that uncertainty, um, are there chances or, or things that you want to do that you're looking towards doing in 2021, you know, like this project here? Are there other things that you're like, okay, well, if this doesn't happen, you know, this is what I'm going to do to occupy my time and, and, and fuel that creative process? Well, it just always evolves. If you say busy every day and you just keep doing the best you can at every turn of every opportunity you get. Life can take you to these different places where you're like, whoa, I never thought I'd appear. Uh, 
So uh, that's what it's all about. But definitely um, just continue to be productive. I mean, specifically, I have, I just turned in the riffs to Michael Sweet for the project I'm doing with him and Nathan James. So that's definitely um, coming up and will be something that people can look forward to hearing this year. And I, and I think probably another Joel Hooks 13 album. So in terms of recordings, those are things that are uh, just ahead that I think people can expect on the road for me. And then hopefully keep doing quarantine videos and do sessions for people, keep uh, keep myself and sharing those. And so I think that there's stuff that people can keep looking forward to regardless of whether or not it's a concert. I mean, obviously it's a live thing everybody's dying for it. So, uh, but out of my hands, so we'll just see. I'm just going to do the best I can with whatever I'd like to present for me. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the live stream show now? I mean, those are obviously becoming a thing because it has to, right? I mean, people are trying to adapt to what's happening and they're putting out these live stream where people can view them on their computer or hook it up to their television or whatnot. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I haven't participated in any, I mean, most of that still involves like flying people and putting them up in hotels and getting a venue and all that type of stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, pain in the ass land (laughs) 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 in terms of like, you know, trying to assemble that at this point in time. And I know there's lots of them that have got scrapped because somebody will get a positive test out of that group. You know, if you get somebody in your, your band, they get a positive test. So I, I think it's just really, really hard to assemble that stuff now. I, I, I'm not against the idea of doing live streaming concerts. It just right now, it seems like, oh man, you know, I, I know that there's lots of them that got scrapped or didn't do well in the last year or so. Uh, I, it, there's nothing like I wouldn't, I wouldn't assemble it for this project cause it wouldn't make sense, you know, for me to try to fly everybody and put them in hotels and find a way to rehearse. Oh my gosh. You know, that's, yeah. that's a lot yeah. for what's going on at the moment. Well, it just seems like, you know, companies, I think Sony just came out with something last week about this 360, whatever they call it, where they'll be able to have this platform for live shows and the sound quality will be, you know, improved and, and give you the live concert feel. And, you know, I keep thinking like my, my head goes to, okay, well, what's the next step then with people that have MacBooks and laptops and computers? Will the, will the audio or the speakers improve on those? Will you have the option to get that? Or will you have to still buy better speakers for whatever you have? So, you know, the longer this goes on, um, you know, you're going to start to see things evolve like that. You know, I like to see someone in the flesh on stage. I mean, that's always the best way to do it. You get the adrenaline rush. There's the vibe of the whole scene going on, but you know, the longer this keeps going, you know, we're going to have to adapt somewhat, at least temporarily on that. And, um, it's just a wonder of what will happen. I mean, I'm hoping things will clear up by the spring and summer where people will be able to play some outdoor shows and at least that'll happen. But like you said, you know, who knows? It's very frustrating. I'm sure as a musician for yourself, but as a fan also, um, yeah, it's definitely unique. And in one of the video uh, interviews I've done, somebody asked me when the last time you've gone 10 months without being on a stage. And I went, well, I guess that'd be like 13 years old. So kind of amazing to think. I mean, it's like 37 years ago. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> There's been something like this for me. So it's a definite change of taste. I mean, that's like, you know, it's extremely, extremely different. But at the same time, you know, touring doesn't totally sum up what being a musician is. So you got to keep, you got to keep being productive and moving forward, man. If you're just sitting around waiting for touring to resume and not doing anything, that's like, boy, I, I just can't wrap my head around chalking up a year of my life to not doing anything. Um, I you know, just have to keep being productive during the time. And then that, that way, hopefully if we do get back to concerts, I can look back at this time and go, yeah, I didn't waste it. I got that done. I got this done. And, and that was a unique period. I mean, that would be the ideal scenario. Um, the, the pessimist in me on the situation is like, it's never coming back. Just wrap your head around what's happening right now. And then that way, if we do go back to playing, I'll be like, oh, cool. We actually are going back to playing. It's going to be interesting to see how concerts and live shows and tours adapt to when it go, comes back. Because you would think there's going to be a logjam of everyone trying to get out there and tour because... They've either, you know, they've got albums that they've put out that they need to tour on and support, or they, you know, they bands that just tour in general, like the old legacy bands that maybe not release new material, they're going to be wanting to tour too. So it'll be interesting to see if there's kind of these, you know, larger packages instead of having two bands or three bands, maybe there's five, maybe it becomes like an all day event where you have the, all these bands on one bill. Um, but cause there's going to be so many people out there that, need to play and want to play and fans want to see it. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's all, that's still hypothetical. The whole thing is hypothetical. There is no, we're going back. So, um, for the time being, that's the way I prefer to think of it at least. And then that way I'll be like, Oh, cool. Cause it's, assume people have been doing that since this thing began like you know oh all right delay we'll see you this summer and then it was like oh no we'll see you this fall oh we'll see you in 2021 you know the top of 21 <laughs> so i mean it's this thing has just been filled with that so it's, i'm a little over the whole like let's say this is happening it's let's just say it's not happening and then that way uh, when we do go back, we'll be like, you know, or if we go back, we'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's why I loved when Richie Kotzen put out his Instagram post, like, I'm just canceling everything. When I'm going to play again, you guys will be the first to know. But there's no sense right, in, exactly, in, you know, exactly, in canceling yeah. things over and over again. I agree. Oh, you know? man. Everything that's booked right now, well, you know, because I hear from people, like, well, so-and-so is playing here. It's like, they don't know that. They don't know that they're doing that, you know? Could say they're doing it, but in terms of it actually happening, that's another thing. Do you think it's it's like we just like I just mentioned? Do you think it's a band trying to secure dates so they have a little bit more control if they do end up playing? Whereas if they don't have anything booked and then everyone just starts to go for it, it's going to be harder to manage a tour and get dates. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and people just eager to get back out there, but. Um, I mean, I, I guess in theory, there's nothing wrong with booking it, but like I said, it's for me, just the time and time of it being like set up and then canceled and oh yeah, the world's not open yet. It's sort of like at this point in time, shouldn't we all just go, <laughs> let's, just, let's just wait for the world to open and we'll take it from there. Are you still teaching? You still doing that? 
Yeah, I'm doing, I have 30 students a week, plus I'm doing uh, master classes for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and some other outlets. And uh, like I said, the cameos, sessions, those are all the things that are the nuts and bolts of what I'm doing in terms of the, um, uh, I guess, you know, paying the bills kind of guitar playing. And, and that's all going great. I mean, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that, man. It's, it's nice not to just totally watch what I've worked hard to save or earn over the years just go away over the, you know a year or two or whatever so uh that's great and having the uh, quarantine videos and doing the, uh, the writing with people not just the stuff for michael sweet and nathan james but um co-writing with, it with my friend jim peterick for an album he's uh, producing at the moment um and other people for that matter so i've uh, been i'd say altogether like busier than ever during this i mean i i rarely have a free moment especially now that the album is on and doing press for it and i mean i'm i'm pretty much working like 10 hours a day right now that's great you know you got to keep yourself occupied and i'm sure that helps you with being creative too i think you know if you're stagnant and you're not doing much it becomes harder and harder to tap into that creativity uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being somebody who hadn't picked up the guitar this entire time. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> oh, yeah, so I mean, it, it's going fine, actually, all things considered. I mean, it's, it, I say to people often, it's like, this is not so bad. Like, what's happening right now isn't so bad. For me, it's more like uh, getting paid to travel the world and play for thousands of people, which is kind of hard to beat. So, if anything, I'm just spoiled. Yeah, and, you know, I imagine, too, with guitar teaching, I mean, you know, obviously your history comes back to Chicago, and, and that's what you would you know were doing here, too, as well, and you've been able to keep up with that through the years. And I have to, you know, think that that's satisfying for you to connect with your fans and kind of, you know, have that as an outlet as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like it. On a level, it's I'm trying to help people get better on the guitar and keeps me on my guitar. So at, at, um, at a minimum, I'm pretty much playing five days a week for six hours, right? So if I, even if I don't do anything else in a week, which doesn't really happen, I'm always doing other stuff. But it's kind of, um, I'm doing an insane amount of guitar playing during it. And the, the teaching thing is all part of that. It helps, you, it helps keep me sharp. And I mean, honestly, it's what helped me build my career. So I'm coming up in Chicago, like you mentioned, doing teaching 70 students a week and supplementing it with gigs kind of how I got to the point where eventually I did gig full-time. That helped me through basically my 20s. I mean, I didn't really become a full-time performer until I was 30. So that took, took a long time to be like, hey, no teaching to supplement it. Uh, it's a tough road to go, only playing gigs, like straight out of school and being like, I'm going to uh, have any kind of decent life. So the teaching thing really helped me a lot. You know, when you're talking about teaching, what levels are you at? Are you at beginner? Is it all different types? Or what type of, you know, classes do you have? Yeah, it's all different, all different types. I've got some that are really, really, you know, great professional players that are teachers themselves. And i got some that are uh, starting out and brand new. But as long as they're moving forward, I'm into it. I actually don't mind teaching beginners. It's uh, it can be fun and it's a challenge to try and do the right thing to help them get better. Uh, the only frustrating thing as a teacher is when they're not getting better. 
myself. That's limited though these days. I, I mean, back when I used to teach in Chicago, that was in a store where parents come in and they buy their kids a guitar and they start out. And I mean, there's a much different scene nowadays where people are like, hey, we're taking lessons from the guy in White Snake or whatever. So people tend to be a little bit more motivated in these lessons I'm doing these days. So it has, uh, it's it's made for better results in terms of that what I'm when I'm speaking about like people that actually practice what you show them and um, so it's going fine. You know I don't know if you remember this, but the current building, uh, the company I work for in my real life, um, is in the old Roselle Music Building. Um, I don't know if that rings a bell to you because they're outside of Chicago here and they're, they, they sell, they, they used to sell instruments and have guitar classes. So I don't know. I know Ted Nugent and Eddie Van Halen were once in there back in the seventies. So that's kind of cool. Oh, okay. But, uh, right I, I, I don't know the building off the top of my head, but that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the album, I know, you know, you're, you're excited to promote it. You know, what would you tell people about, you know, Joe Hoekstra 13 running games that, you know, would entice them to listen? Um, I think if you like old school, late 70s, early 80s, melodic rock, that's uh, melodic hard rock, that's Dio-ish at its heaviest and Foreigner-ish at its lightest, then uh, you'll be there with the record. Well, Joe, I appreciate the time. Um, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Um, good luck with the album. Good luck with uh, 2021. <laughs> And look forward to having you on next time. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jay. Appreciate it, man. All right, Joel. Take care of yourself. Okay, you too, buddy. Once again, everybody, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Talk to you again soon. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.